This is the Merchant Sales Podcast brought to you by ccsalespro.com and greensheet.com. Today, we are going to be interviewing the CEO of Cardex, Jonathan Razi, and uh, talking about surcharging, cash discounting, and this new Visa Bulletin that just came out. Uh, then we're going to go to the Insider's Report where Patty and I are going to kind of continue that back and forth conversation. Then we're going to close it out with a really interesting question from the field about selling people with a point of sale system. So you know, what do you do? You walk in, you see that touchscreen point of sale system, and you know that, boy, I really want to sell this merchant, but I'm going to have to integrate with that. How do you move forward? How does that process work? We're going to be covering that as well. So I think we have a great episode for you. I will tell you that the audio on this episode is a little different than usual because Patty is calling into the studio here at CC Sales Pro. Um, as this episode, we really did this one at the last minute because we wanted to get it done for you to address this Visa Bulletin that just came out. So I'm really excited about it. Let's jump right in and talk to Jonathan Rossi. All right, everybody. Today, I am joined by Jonathan Rossi, the CEO at CardX. How are you doing today, Jonathan? Very well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Glad to be with you. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. So, um, obviously, we want to talk today about this Visa Bulletin and cash discounting and surcharging. But before we get into that, Jonathan, I thought it would be helpful for our listeners for you to give a little bit of your background. Um, you know, how did you get into the merchant services industry? Tell us a little bit of your story. Well, that's a great question. Yeah, you know, I think, James, that you know... Uh, I was trained as a lawyer, right? And I actually founded the business at Harvard Law School, where I was in grad school. Uh-huh. Uh, I went there, yeah, I went there. Believe it or not, knowing I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Although now we work with so many lawyers, uh, but I went there <laughs> knowing I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, it's actually a curse, right? But right. I went there knowing I wanted to be in business. And in fact, the the year that I started the company was 2013. That was the same year that, as you know, the card brands gave businesses the option to do what government and education had been doing for years at that point, which mm-hmm. is pass on the fee when a customer chooses a credit card right. for the convenience of the rewards, right? So in that year, I was really paying attention to the payment space. Uh, but if you go back to the coverage, what so many people were writing, like the green sheet, about the option to surcharge, they were saying, look, we understand the economic value. We think that a given business could save tens of thousands of dollars in a month by passing on their credit card fees to customers. But the card brands are smart, and they've put so many rules on this option. There's so much compliance overhead that how many businesses are really going to do this? So I started CardX to address that pain point. I said, we're going to be first to market with a turnkey fully compliant solution, meaning by choosing CardX, they automatically comply. So that positioning of technology-enabled compliance. I always say we're at the intersection of technology and compliance. That positioning has been where we've been since 2013. Uh, we've seen great adoption. You know, starting off, it was so big in government education. Right. Businesses were still warming to that idea. Uh, but now, while we do very well in government education, you may know that it's kind of the dominant paradigm there to pass on the fee. Right. Uh, while we do so well there, business is our fastest-growing vertical. So that's where I started it. That's a little bit of the story behind Cardex, and the idea is we want to be experts so our merchants don't have to be. We want to give them that automatic compliance with everything the card brands require. Hmm. Well, that's that's really interesting. Um, so let me ask you a question. I mean, you know, Cardex has been around now, you said, what, it was 2013, so about five years, right? Yes. yes. What, what have been the big changes that you've seen with compliance and surcharging, you know, during that time? Well, that's a great question. You know, when I got into it, uh, we could serve businesses in 40 states because 10 states had no surcharge right, laws. Right. Now, believe it or not, 
government institutions are allowed to pass on the fee in all 50 states, and they always were. <laughs> so even the states that were saying it's bad when a business owner does it, trust me, when you pay your taxes to New York State, guess what they do? They pass on the fee. <laughs> so that's actually something that's been a big touch point in a lot of the uh, litigation that's been going on, and that litigation is precisely the point. So it was 40 back when we started it. Now we can serve business in 43 states, and it's all thanks to a U.S. Supreme Court decision that happened last year. You know, with that legal background, when this case was happening, I said, wow, we have to be involved. I think we can make a unique contribution because we're really in the case saying, hey, we actually serve thousands of merchants who are surcharging through us. We can talk about how this actually affects the whole market when you give business this option. So we were the only company in payments to have a brief in that U.S. Supreme Court case called Expressions Hair Design. Yep. When that case was decided, it was 8-0 to zero that they said passing on the credit card fee in the form of a surcharge is protected speech under the First Amendment. Now, with that precedent, you know, the First Amendment is not absolute. The protections it gives the private individuals and businesses is not absolute in our country. They always talk about, uh, you know, fire in a crowded theater. They say that. But right. it's right. so strong. We live in a First Amendment society. It's an incredibly strong protection that we have. And so now California, Florida, and Texas, their no surcharge laws have been declared unconstitutional, meaning merchants can pass on their fees in those states. So that's been one of the biggest regulatory changes we've seen. It also has significantly accelerated the market adoption, too, because when you think about it, the more and more people are doing it, it's almost an advertisement for the next business owner to adopt the solution. So when you think about it, the only remaining litigation is in New York. And between those four states, California, Florida, Texas, and New York, that's where 40 percent of America lives, that population. So very big change to have. Yeah, very big change. Do you feel like the do you feel like I know there's a case right now going on in New York? Maybe you could talk a little about that. And also, what do you think the impact? I mean, assuming that, you know, their state laws overturned and, and merchants are allowed to surcharge in New York. Do you think that'll have a ripple effect on the other remaining kind of smaller states? Yes, certainly. You know, the case in New York, it's actually remarkable what's already happening because it's been remanded from the Supreme Court. So it's still called Expressions Air Design. Now it's in the Second Circuit. And now the litigants, the merchants and the attorney general's office are talking about what the no surcharge law means in the first place. And they're talking about what's the definition of the law. And already the attorney general's office has significantly narrowed their interpretation of the law. They're not saying it's no surcharge. Now they're saying basically it's no surprise, meaning, well, merchants can do it in New York, but if they make this additional consumer disclosure, they're actually trying to, I would say, uh, retool, or sometimes they say retcon in a different industry, retcon the law to be a consumer disclosure law, which is fine for us because then we can serve business in New York. So we're waiting for the dust to settle. Our worst-case scenario is pretty good because we can still serve business there under that disclosure requirement. Our best-case scenario, which I think is probably more likely, it is declared unconstitutional outright, just like Florida, California, Texas were done. Uh, Once that happens, you're so right about that ripple effect because then the states where there are no current lawsuits, like Colorado, Connecticut, Kansas, Maine, Massachusetts, uh, New York, and excuse me, New York we we talk about, but also Oklahoma, those six smaller states Mm -hmm. following – those are going to be states where I think attorneys general are going to see the writing on the wall and probably stop enforcing the laws they have on the books. We'll see. Yeah. Let me ask you this. One thing that was really interesting about the conversation we had earlier is we were talking about Australia a little bit. And, you know, one thing that I was not aware of uh, before our call earlier, or I guess it was last week, is that, um, you know, there are some large companies here in the U.S. that would 
probably surcharge if it was legal in all 50 states. Can you kind of talk about those two dynamics, both the what's happened in Australia and then what you see happening in the U.S. once this becomes, uh, you know, ex- you know, compliant in all 50 states? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You know, just as we're saying, we predict it's going to be in all 50 states in some form or fashion, maybe in 12 months, maybe in 18 months. You know, the wheels of justice kind of sure. move slowly. But we think it's going to be in all 50 states. When that happens, I think it's a real paradigm shift that we're going to see. Because even in our Supreme Court case, you know, we were the only payments company, but there were large merchants in that case, like Kroger, Publix, Albertson, Spirit Airlines. And they were saying, or their uh, lawyers were saying in the briefs that they wrote, they were saying, we want to do this, but we want to have nationwide pricing strategies. So we cannot really adopt this option unless it's in all 50 states. I think they're going to live up to their word. I think when it's in 50 states, we're going to see category leaders, you know, those big multi-location chains jump in. And when that happens, maybe all of Main Street is going to adopt the option too, or at least uh, a very big way. I think it's going to become the dominant paradigm. And you reference Australia. Uh, In Australia, 42% of all merchants surcharge, 60% of large merchants surcharge, just like we're talking about, that demand among the large merchants. And by the way, you know, it's not just that 42% of all merchants surcharge. It's actually the impact that it has on the marketplace. And I don't think a lot of people have thought about what this is going to do to the economics of our industry. One thing Australia has that we don't have is much lower interchange. Their interchange is generally half of what ours is. Right. And the reason why is because sur- surcharging is a really pro-competitive thing. And let me tell you why. When I, as the cardholder, and I want to use my great rewards credit card, and that's good, but when I bear the cost of those rewards, I am incentivized to choose another form of payment, like cash or like debit, if the cost of those rewards becomes too high. So if that cost just keeps going up and up, and we know in the industry it goes up two times a year, if it goes up too high and I as a consumer bear that cost, I'm going to switch to debit. And finally, the credit card companies are exposed to price competition. So it's going to keep interchange low. And that's why Australia's interchange is half of what ours is. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so this has been really good information about surcharging. So what I want to do is... I want to kind of back up for just a second, and I want to look at this through the lens of cash discounting and this Visa Bulletin that just came out. So just for the benefit of our listeners, Jonathan, who came into the industry in the last six months or 12 months specifically to sell cash discounting, there's a lot of people listening that fit that description. They actually yep. may not even be aware of like surcharging. I mean, what is it? What cards can you surcharge? Can you kind of back up and give a little bit of a uh, a definition of what is surcharging, and then talk about what is your opinion of cash discounting and this Visa bulletin that just came out? Okay, happy to do it. I think that's a great question. So a surcharge is definitionally any fee you add to the regular price. So if you have a price on the shelf and it says ten dollars for whatever product you're selling and you take it to the register, and because you're choosing credit, I'm going to add 3.5% to that. That is definitionally a surcharge, and it's permitted by the card brands subject to a number of requirements, and that's that compliance that we're talking about. So they require that the merchant be registered. So you have to register the merchants with the card brand. That's something we actually do on behalf of our merchants, but other people might ask merchants to do it themselves. Uh, Also, disclosure is required. So for a retail merchant, that means signage at the store entrance and also at the point of sale. For us, because we want to make it really turnkey, back to that early card expositioning we were talking about, we put that signage in the box. Uh, but merchants can certainly do their own signage as well. Has to disclose the amount of the credit card fee, has to say there's no fee for debit, has to say also they don't profit from the credit card fee they pass on. That's an important one. Yep. Uh, that actually leads to the next point. 
you cannot surcharge a debit card. And what's interesting about that is that requirement applies not just in retail, but also in Moto and e-commerce. And for those who are new to the industry, Moto is mail order, telephone order. So if you send out an invoice and someone calls in with their card number to pay it, that's what we're talking about when we say Moto. So when that clerk in the AR department is keying in the card number, the solution has to know, is it a credit card to which you can pass on the fee, or is it a debit card to which you must not pass on the fee? And that's true of debit cards no matter how they're run. So even if you run offline debit without a PIN on the credit card networks, you cannot charge a fee to a debit card product. Also, the amount of the surcharge cannot exceed 4%. So we do 3.5%. Of course, probably some other numbers are in the market, but that's what we do. And there are a number of other requirements as well, but those are some of the biggest ones. Sure. One other thing, too, just to clarify, isn't there, I couldn't remember, I think there was a delay. Isn't there, like, after you notify the card brands, does the, does the merchant have to wait to turn on surcharging? You know, it says 30 days. It's a 30-day notification. But okay. generally what we've seen over time as this has become bigger is when we submit those registrations, we're actually getting responses from the card brands much sooner than that. Okay. But they do say 30 days in the rules, yes. Okay, but but basically once the card brands respond that they've received it, then, then the merchant's good to turn it on is what you're saying? Yes. Okay, got it. Okay, so all right, so we've talked about surcharging. Obviously, you know, cash discounting, um, and I mean, you know, you and I have talked. I mean, I, I believed and have believed for a long time that cash discounting would eventually turn into surcharging anyway, but, you know, cash discounting was basically a way to try to kind of get around the fact that you could not surcharge in these 10 states, um, and yeah. so, you know, they've kind of done that, and so, you know, the, the difference was that cash discounting processors were adding the service fee to both credit card and check debit cards. So, Jonathan, let's kind of zoom out a little bit and look at cash discounting because, you know, as, as we've discussed, I mean, cash discounting is pretty much surcharging as far as we're adding the service fee. The difference, of course, is that with cash discounting, we were adding the service fee to, you know, everything, the credit cards, debit cards, uh, you know, all of that, and then removing it when someone pays with cash. So kind of if we zoomed out a little bit, what's your opinion of cash discounting? And then, of course, how do you see this playing out? Because now with this Visa bulletin that basically said all these cash discount programs are, are not compliant with Visa rules, what are your thoughts on, on how this is playing out? Yeah, James, I think that's a very smart question. Uh, first of all, I'll tell you that I really have liked seeing so many people in the market talking about passing on the credit card fee. Uh, I don't view surcharging and cash discounting as antagonistic at all. They're really right. just two forms of passing on the credit card fee. Uh, I think Visa was correct when they said in their bulletin uh, that if you add a fee at the point of sale, it says $10 on the shelf, you take it to the register, you're adding a fee. Any fee you add at the point of sale constitutes a surcharge, and you have to comply with the rules. So I think that is correct. I think if people are, from my own perspective, you know, just my two cents, if people are trying to find other ways to add a service fee and waive a service fee, it kind of gives me the impression of rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, if you know what I mean. Because I think it's going to be very hard to find acquirers who are very risk-averse, generally, who agree with that interpretation. I think, rather, the pivot that we're going to see, and I think it's something you said in your videos also, is that we're going to see people migrate over to that surcharge framing. And frankly, it's a very easy pivot, because you're telling your merchants, hey, there's new regulatory guidance. Now we're not going to be charging these fees to debit. Uh, now we're going to get you registered, we're going to give you signage, and then you get them up and running, and it's frankly perfectly fine. It's something clearly that we welcome, but I think we're going to see more people start going that direction. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could actually see that happening as well. Um, well, let's let's talk about that and dig a little bit deeper into it. You know, uh, listening on this podcast right now are going to be hundreds of 
uh, ISO owners and they've got, you know, 5, 10, 20, 30 reps and they've been either completely focused on cash discounting or, you know, 25, 30% of their deals have been cash discounting over the last six to 12 months. And now they're seeing this visa bulletin. They're kind of seeing the writing on the wall. Okay, our acquirer is going to send us a memo in X number of weeks or days that says stop. Um, what's your advice to them? How do they go about making this transition? And what role, if any, would Cardex play in, in kind of helping them do that? Well, I'd love for them to call you and uh, ask the questions that you and I have been talking about together. Of course, I'd love for them to call me. Uh, certainly, it's something that we can help with. Uh, we have a full-time partner team, and frankly, all of our distribution is through ISOs. Okay. So I'd love for them to do that. And, you know, really, when you think about it, uh, bringing them into compliance is such an easy proposition. It means you retain the merchants for longer. It means they're happy, you're happy. You know, one of the things about cash discount is that it charged that fee to debit. But to be honest with you, I've always seen it as a benefit that under the surcharge rules, we don't charge a fee to debit. Because even though the merchant pays the cost for debit, that cost is generally much lower because the majority of the debit cards in the market are regulated by Durban. Uh, and furthermore, it always means their customers have a no-fee payment option. That's such an important thing. You know, having sold and talked to a lot of agents who sell cash discount, you know that in our market, the biggest objection we hear is, are my customers going to be okay paying the fee? Right. I love it that with Cardex, we always tell them, well, your customers always have a no-fee payment option. If they want the high cost of rewards credit cards, they're going to pay for that. But if they want to switch to a debit card, which costs you much less, then they can pay with debit at no additional fee. So I think switching over to surcharging is a really easy proposition. I will tell you enforcement is something we're going to see more and more of. We basically have been saying that with so many merchants passing on their credit card fees, the more this grows, the more the card brands are going to enforce and emphasize compliance. So we think that it started with Clover. When you think about it, they pulled all the cash discount apps. That right. gave us footsteps. We have this bulletin. I think that emphasis on compliance is going to become bigger and bigger. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. I've talked to a lot of people in the industry since the bulletin came out, and I don't know about you. I just don't know any – I'm trying to find, like, who is that acquirer going to be that's going to stand up to Visa and say – no, we're going to keep doing uh, the cash discounting. I actually talked to one today that I, th I think might take that path. And, you know, I say, hey, you know, more power to you. I mean, I, as you know, I mean, my opinion of cash discounting is that uh, I believe we're in, live in a free country and, and merchants should be able to do whatever they want in their store. Uh, and so they should be able to charge whatever they want. Um, but um, I don't know. I don't really see any of the really big name acquirers standing up to Visa. Do you? No, no. In my opinion, they're very risk averse. Yeah. You know, they're very risk averse. I agree. And I will tell you, there's a lot of margin in it for the acquirers, but in our industry generally, you know, they like uh, hiding margin in different places. We talked about Australia earlier. I had someone from one of the big acquirers tell me that, hey, when we look at Australia, it's actually not such a great place to be because there are so few interchange categories, meaning it's so simple that we can't hide margin the way that we do in America. Right. You know that there's a right. lot of people hiding things under different under different shelves, right? Sure. So surcharging, passing on the credit card fee, actually creates a lot more transparency. There are a lot of incumbents in our industry who maybe don't love the transparency as much as the people on this podcast do. So it's definitely going to create a new paradigm, new winners, new losers. It's going to be very interesting to see. Sure. I want to turn it over to Patty for a minute. I know she's calling in today, but she and I talked about a few questions. And I think, Patty, I think you had another question or two for for Jonathan, didn't you? Yeah, I, I, I was interested, Jonathan. I mean, from the from the public perception point of view, you know, I've I've done some, you know, just some um, ad hoc interviewing of consumers about this. Um, and while most of them, you know, say, hey, listen, I realize that it costs merchants to, you know, to it costs them money to take my card, and, you know, I don't, I, I'm, 
I'm, I'm not averse to, to sharing that cost. I find sometimes that there's a, a psychological barrier that surcharging has a, has a connotation that's not quite as consumer-friendly as cash discounting. And I'm just wondering, what's been the experience of your merchants? Um, has uh, that been something that they've question, done? Yeah. Yes. That's fascinating. No, I think that's a very interesting point. Uh, I will tell you that a lot of the merchants we hear from actually tell us that they like the surcharge framing. Now, I will tell you, uh, I say surcharge on this podcast because it's an industry context, and that's the that's the technical term in our industry, right? But when I'm talking sure. to merchants and I'm talking to cardholders and when I'm encouraging our sales channel how to sell, I always tell them, say passing on the credit card fee. Don't say uh-huh. surcharge because surcharge has a very negative connotation. It yeah. sounds like you're actually creating an additional cost, right? But that's not true. All our merchants are doing is pass on the credit card fees, passing on the credit card fees that they have been charged for years, and those fees just go up and up. So I actually think in that language, in that positioning, to say passing on the credit card fee is much more positive. We also lead, one of the benefits we always lead with is consumer friendliness, because we talk about, first of all, transparent communication of costs. There are no surprises. And also, they always have a no-fee payment option. They can always choose debit, and they don't pay a fee. I think that's a really important piece as well in terms of how it's received by people. But I will tell you, we have had some people tell us that when they think about cash discount and pushing cash, they actually worry that, first of all, people don't really uh, carry cash anymore. People carry cash less and less in our society. So it might seem like giving a non-option. And furthermore, they worry about the appearance of avoiding taxes. Sometimes they think, you know, a cash-only business or someone pushing cash, cash, excuse me, there's a little bit of a stigma that maybe you're avoiding taxes. So I think the framing, there's a lot to it. I think the surcharge framing is actually something we like because it's so transparent. You're telling your customers there's a fee associated with your credit card, and we're going to just pass on that fee to you if you want those miles, rewards, and the convenience of credit. I mean, you think about it. One of the reasons that we have interchange is because the issuers have the risk of default. But why is that your merchant's? Why is that your merchant's problem? That maybe right. the cardholder defaults with his or her issuer. Why should the merchant pay for that? So I think it's a lot more fair. If I may just add two more points about consumer friendliness, I think it's something that's so important to our space to talk about. You know, I mentioned earlier that when I bear the cost of my own rewards, I'm going to switch to something else if the cost becomes too high. That mm-hmm. keeps the cost low for everybody. Furthermore, I'd say, and this is actually a reason why. This is actually an area, I should say, where our interests are very aligned with the card brands. Surcharging actually grows credit card acceptance because so many of the merchants we serve, not all to be sure, but so many of them only accept credit cards if they have an option to pass on the fee. So in B2B and wholesale distribution, the margins are commonly in the single digits. They can't afford to pay 3% to accept a corporate credit card. So they don't even accept cards unless they have an option to pass on the fee. That actually means that what we do expands consumer choice because now consumers have more places where they can use their cards. Do you find, uh, I'm interested, Jonathan, are there particular um, vertical markets where it's more, um, you know, where where it's been more successful or, or do you see it sort of across the board? And I'm also just oh, curious also in terms of the B2B thing. I think your point's well taken there. That's why businesses write so many checks to their, to their, uh, it, for B2B transactions, right? Absolutely. Yes, that's correct. You know, in terms of uh, verticals where this has seen the biggest adoption, B2B is one of them. Wholesale distribution within B2B is a really good one for us. Sure. Also, in B2C segments, automotive is really big. 
that could be auto repair, auto body, auto glass, auto dealers. Automotive is a great space. Professional services like law, medical accounting, insurance, property management, uh, many, many more. Those are some of the spaces where it's been really big. I would also think, you know, I mean, it just would seem to me that in particular, uh, when you go into professional services, sort of like, you know, the at-home services, you know, plumbers and contractors and things like that, because they're often dealing with very high ticket items, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, home contractors is really big. We even have kitchen design, granite services, uh, you name it. Uh, And also even in law and medical, you know, when you think about it, elective surgery, we have a lot of that. We have a lot of clinics. Uh, in law, you know, I don't know about other people, but our lawyers charge when they make copies. Our lawyers charge right. when they pull briefs. So they're right. also going to charge if I use a credit card to pay them, right? So that's another sure. price. That's awesome. Hey, Jonathan, one other follow-up question to something you said a minute ago that I just wanted to clarify. Um, is there anything in the compliance uh, regarding surcharging where you have to use the word surcharge on your signage, or can you use whatever language that you want to say, hey, we're, we're passing the credit card fee on to you? No, you do not have to say surcharge. That's great. Uh, our signage does not say surcharge. Yep. Okay. All right. So I just have two more questions. The last one is just going to be basically how do people get in touch with you? But before we get to that, I want you to, to talk a little bit more about Cardex. And, and I don't normally do this on the podcast, but I want you to dive a little bit deeper into your company only because I know, again, I personally have talked to a lot of ISAs that are kind of looking for some solutions. So you mentioned some different things about Moto and about all these different compliance issues. Um, you know, when, when cash discounting came out, a lot of ISOs are kind of like, oh, okay. Okay, cool. We just add the service fee and then do a daily discount. Done. You know, we can already do that. <laughs> um, right. Surcharging, not quite so simple. Um, so talk a little bit about the technology that Cardex has and how it differs from cash discounting. What's involved with actually setting up the two types of merchants, the physical location where they've got this terminal and then also the Moto account. What does Cardex do to actually facilitate this, this process? Well, that's a great question, and you're right about that, that the barrier to entry, the compliance barrier to entry is higher for surcharging. I think that's actually a reason why we saw so many people go to cash discount initially, right. but now Visa has kind of foreclosed that option. So the barrier to entry is bigger uh, because of all these rules. So let's talk about the point of sale. Let's talk about card present. Uh, when we set up a merchant for card present, uh, we have a custom terminal. We work with Verifone to put the Cardex technology on a terminal, the VX520. So we have a custom terminal. We put that in the box with the signage they need, with a getting started guide. We even branded the packaging. So they get everything they need in the box, and then they plug it in, and they keep 100% of their sale on credit, right? It's pretty easy. So we wanted to make it really turnkey, really out of the box. Uh, that's what we do for card present. And I'll tell you, just like you said, How does it differentiate between credit and debit? So as soon as you swipe or insert a card in our terminal, uh, the DMV Quick Chip, before authorization, we actually analyze that card number. We know the card type. We know the card product. We know whether it's credit or debit. And we know whether to apply a fee of 3.5% if it's credit or to apply no fee if it's debit. The terminal does that in less than a second. The clerk doesn't have to choose between anything. And that's the same thing now to talk about our digital products in Moto and e-commerce. That's the same thing our payment pages do. So when you type a card number into the virtual terminal onto a hosted payment page, we know in less than a second whether it's credit or whether it's debit. Uh, it's enterprise-level accuracy. It's extremely accurate. And we pass on that fee in full compliance. So the same thing totally turnkey and frictionless in that digital environment too. 
So, Jonathan, um, one other question I just want to kind of double back on, and this may be more for my benefit than our listeners because it's a little bit technical, but, you know, one it, one vertical that really did not do well with cash discounting or hasn't done well so far has been restaurant bars where there are tips involved because it's kind of like, don't you have to notify them on the receipt? So then you got to put it on there before the tip. And then so it's kind of been a little bit of a mess. Do you have any thoughts on that? Maybe that even hasn't been a big vertical for you guys, but do you have any thoughts on what do you apply the surcharge to when it's a when it's a tip processing merchant? That's a great question, James, and uh, it is a mess. And precisely for that reason, we've chosen to stay out of it. Uh, okay. I am a big believer that a confused buyer buys nothing, so I don't like presenting too many options. Okay. I've seen some people say in the cash discount world, you can choose whether to apply the fee on top of the tip or to exclude the tip. I just think there are some options that complicate the sale too much. So that's a place that we haven't done it. I'm okay. a real uh, focus-oriented executives so that's not something we've gotten into sure yeah, fair answer okay. that, that's really good to good to know yeah. and that, that's true i mean it's too many people actually just jump into it oh look there's an opportunity let's just dive in and see if there's some money to be made well you might want to take a step back right and make sure it's a good opportunity for your business yeah you're so right i mean i'm a big believer that in order to do one thing great you have to say no to so many good opportunities right yeah. so we've really tried to focus on that turnkey positioning and kind yeah. of having too many options and friction and stuff like that it's not consistent with that turnkey frictionless positioning. So sure. uh, that's the way that we've gone down. Well, yeah. you know you know what's interesting about that approach as well is I think, um, with the exception of bars, which have actually really warmed to cash discounting, I think you having that focus also makes your sales, you know, your ISOs, et cetera, also not go after that group, which is good because they close really, really low. So they're not wasting their time with merchants that are probably not interested anyway. I completely agree. Yeah, we love to help ISOs get focused on the places we know they're going to succeed. Right, absolutely. Okay, so last question for you. Well, actually, let me ask you one more before I get your, your info there. Are there any other yeah. tips? I always like to ask our, interview, our interviewers this. I mean, you know, we have, uh, you know, lots of people listening, uh, ISOs, agents. You know, any last remaining tip that you would give them? They're trying to succeed. They're trying to build this business. You've been in the business for a while. You know how difficult it can be. And so here's all these changes coming again, and they're trying to just build their book of business. Any, any last tip you'd give them? That's a great question. I would keep it really simple. Uh, I yeah. think our industry has taught us too much complexity. Uh, we have salespeople who do really well with this product. They've never even heard the words dues and assessments because think about it. You're selling credit card costs at 0%. You don't need to know that. So leave some of the drawers closed, so to speak. Keep it really simple. Uh, don't complicate the sale. That's one of my tips. And also, I am not a believer in going into a merchant location and talking about both traditional and passing on the credit card fee. Uh -huh. I think when you're converting someone, it's a new movement. You think about the way, you know, think about, okay, so now I'm going to tell you a little bit about something I used to do when I was in college. I used to think, I did my uh, bachelor's paper on charisma. And okay. Max Weber had this whole theory of charisma and charismatic leadership. And he goes back to Jesus as actually the paradigm of the charismatic leader. Sure. And so many people you can think now we call charismatic leaders and how they affect society or affect business. But Jesus is the paradigm of that leader. You think about the way that Jesus as the original, right, in Christianity, taught Christianity. He didn't present options. He didn't say we have something new, but if you want to do the old, here's the Pharisaic code, right? And I'm not trying to be an evangelist, right? I'm not trying to be an evangelist. I'm saying this is how new movements take off. Right. Passing on the credit card fee is so much better. When we go into a merchant location, let's not talk about anything else. 
Hmm. Interesting. Wow. Good tips. Okay. So very, very very last thing here for you, Jonathan. Uh, Obviously a lot of people listening, I'm sure are interested. They want to learn more about card X, especially ISO owners, things like that. Where would you send them to learn more about uh, partnering with you guys? Yeah, cardx.com, C-A-R-D-X.com. We encourage you to check out the website. We wanted to make it a great sales resource. Uh, we have a compliance page with a map with we keep up to date and uh, all the rules on it. Uh, and the footer on every page, you can see uh, the contact information for our partner team. So if you're interested, reach out, run some questions by us. We'd love to talk. We know this is uh, a lot of people under a lot of pressure because they don't want their merchants to get shut down or fine. So you have my commitment that if you're in that position and you want to work with us, we will work overtime to bring your merchants over so there's no adverse effect. And I'd simply say uh, to the people who want to keep selling this, it's definitely not going away because when you think about it, those market fundamentals, a big and growing map, a regulatory environment, most importantly, probably the fact that merchant costs just keep going up. They went up 24%. From 2005 to 2009 on rewards credit cards, I mean, that's crazy. Right. So a card that cost 2% then cost 2.48%. So it's not just that merchants want to use it. It's also that the industry wants to sell it because you know on this call that you're not writing accounts at the same margin in the traditional space as you were back in 2005. There's been so much price competition. So merchants want to use it. The industry wants to sell it. It's not going away. It's only going to get bigger, but it has to be done the right way. And I really encourage people to adopt a solution that fully complies for sure. Awesome. Boy, Jonathan, I really enjoyed this. Uh, Just a great conversation, great interview, really good information. Thanks for your time and sharing all of it with our listeners. Yeah, thanks for one invite, Jonathan. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. It's great to be with you. Happy to do this anytime. All right. Thanks, Jonathan. Have a wonderful day, man. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by Greensheet.com, a premier resource for the electronic payments industry. The Greensheet has been on the beat since 1983, always focused on boosting the feet on the street in our evolving sphere. We've been hearing a lot in the last week or so about Visa's new bulletin uh, clarifying its position on cash discounting. The bulletin seems to throw a wet blanket on this practice, which is becoming... It's not overwhelmingly popular, but as we've discussed in the past, it's becoming increasingly popular as a way uh, for merchants to offset the cost of handling credit cards. Yeah, absolutely. Not sure where this is going to go, James. What do you think? You know, Patty, it's it's so interesting, and I honestly I'm so torn right now because you know there's a part of me, and I and I talked to a couple of uh, you know acquirers, smaller acquirers today that I really think are going to stand their ground and are going to say, hey. We're doing cash discounting. It is compliance, and if Visa wants to say it's not, well, that's Visa's problem. They can sue us, or they can do whatever they want. But you know, a merchant. This is America. A merchant can charge whatever they want to charge. And I think in my gut, in my soul, like you know, I'm with them. You know, I'm like, right. You know, this. Let's a business owner should be able to charge what they want in their store, and one private entity should not be able to restrict another private entity from doing so and exercising their their constitutional rights of free speech. Um, uh- yeah, but right. but then I you know on the other side, Patty, I'm kind of the realist and the pragmatist, and that part of me is saying, okay, well, I knew it was all going to become surcharging anyway. Um, right. Surcharging now, I mean, really, New York is the only big market left where it's not completely legalized to do it, but it's really getting there, as we heard earlier from Jonathan uh, from Cardex. Um, 
So I don't know. I'm, I'm really kind of torn. You know, there's definitely I can see both sides of it. And I feel like I feel like we almost have to wait to see what the big acquirers are going to do, because that's the missing piece of data right now. They haven't come out and said yes or no. They haven't come out and said, you know, we're going to stop. I feel like they're going to come out and say you can't do it anymore. But, I, you know, we don't know that yet. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I feel that they're probably going to do that because I really, as Jonathan pointed out in our interview with him, you know, they don't. They don't really they the risk averse when it comes to visa. Right. Um, nobody wants to fight the bear. Nobody wants to fight the bear exactly. But I think the one the, the one group that doesn't mind fighting the bear are the merchants. And you know it strikes me that our our, our folks you know the MLSs and and the ISOs you know the, the, they've they've adopted the attitude that they're partners with their merchants. They're trying to help their merchants you know make more money, sell more goods. Um, and, you know, merchants have been, have been griping about the cost of card acceptance for, for years. Uh, and this is a way that they can help merchants, uh, you know, at least, uh, lessen the impact of right. card uh, the cost of card acceptance. Right. And I wonder if, you know, merchants themselves might just say, no, we're not going to, you know, we're tired of Visa telling us what to do. Right. Well, I think I guess to me, I feel like the big takeaway from the last 12 to 18 months has been and continues to be that merchants in the U.S. are willing to pass the cost of processing on to the consumer in some fashion. I think that and idea is, is and, here to stay. And I think we should we would both agree also that consumers, by and large, don't seem to be averse to accepting that. Exactly. Right. So so that concept, I think, is is, you know, kind of above debate. In other words, like everybody in the industry you know, agrees with that. I also think everybody in our industry, for the most part, agrees that a merchant, you know, we're all free market capitalists here. We believe that a merchant should be able to charge whatever they want to charge. Um, and so I think, again, I think the reality of the situation is that it's really going to come down to some of the big names in our industry and their willingness to go to battle with Visa to, you know, quote unquote, call Visa's bluff, if that's what it is, um, and say, no, you know, and, and, you know, I'll tell you the other thing, Patty, the, the one thing about the bulletin that really rubbed me the wrong way was that, you know, it was almost like Visa was saying the reason cash discounting is not compliant is because it's a surcharge and so you can't do it. Where, where to me, you know, it sh I think that the bulletin would have been worded better if it would have specifically mentioned the surcharging model and said, you know, um, basically cash discounting is surcharging, right? And so right. if you want to surcharge, that's fine, but you have to follow the, the you know, uh, the, the rules of surcharging to make sure you're compliant. But that's really not what they said. Um, what they said was, you know, you can't do this. And I, and I think it was overly extreme. Um, I think they overplayed their hand. But again, I don't know. They could have been doing the right thing because I think the acquirers are, are all going to tuck tail and run, to be honest. Well, I, I think you're right on that. But, you know, one of the things about the bulletin that really struck me was that uh, it, it held up the example of the gas stations. Right. You know, basically saying, you know, the gas station they're doing model, it right. they're doing it right. And I don't know about you, but when I look at gas station signs, they're not clear to me. No. Um, you know, it's very often, it's the cash price that they put, that they display. Right. And... Uh, you know, more than once I've been suckered into, oh, that gas station's like three cents a gallon cheaper. I'm going to go there, and then I pull out my card and realize, no, it's not. Right, or, right. Or 
or the other extreme example that we have that I've seen a lot is uh, the price that posted on the sign as I'm driving down the road when I get up real close is cash with a car wash. Right. Yeah, they have some other stipulation to get your discounted price. Some other stipulation to get your discounted sure. price. And, it, and as, a, as a consumer, that doesn't seem very transparent no. to me. And, you know, it's funny to me, you know, Visa pulling that out when, in reality, we all know, or I think most people that know the industry history, the reason that it's like that at fuel stations has nothing to do with compliance. The reason it's like that is because fuel stations didn't want to accept cards because their margins were so low on fuel. And so exactly. they made a deal with Visa and said, well, hey, if you'll let us pass the, the, the cost on, then we'll do it. And Visa said, well, sure, because then we're going to get, you know, how many billions of dollars of additional processing volume. And so it really all came down to Visa trying to expand and, and MasterCard trying to expand their, you know, network card acceptance than it did anything to have to do with compliance about a cash discount program. Right. And I think the other thing that, 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 that we, we should mention is that, you know, when you go to a, when you go to a gas station, they're only selling one product at that discount. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. You know, you go to uh, you go to a general merchandise store. It, you can't have that kind of display. Exactly, and I mean, it, to me, a gas station has one sign. A cash discount at a retail store could have one sign. You know, whereas right. what, what Visa basically said is for it to be a compliant cash discount program, you need to put the cash and credit price on every single ticket on every shelf or on the entire menu or whatever. And it's just it's ridiculous. I mean, honestly, it's 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 ridiculous. I I really do. You know what I think would actually happen if it played out, then I think. I think Visa doesn't want it to go to the courts because I think if it goes to the courts, I think the courts are going to make that final decision of, you know, look, this is ridiculous. It, it's surcharging. You know, it, it's a thinly veiled attempt at surcharging. And so I, you know, give that point and it should be legal in all 50 states. And there's just no reason why this should be restricted in any way. A merchant can add a fee onto a transaction. Um, now, again, the only real sticking point there is this, you know, this settlement that came about uh, where, you know, we, we can't surcharge check and debit cards. Um, and so I think, right. you know, that, that you know, the, the only two restrictions, and I've said this before, cash discounting has been around forever, but the reason it got really popular is because surcharging became legal and that got everybody in the industry thinking, oh, we get past the cost on the consumers, but surcharging isn't legal in the 10, you know, in 10 of the states um, and you, can, you can't surcharge uh, check and credit cards. Well, if the state thing is gone and there's, you know, all these extra, you know, if we have all 50 states, um, that's not an issue. And so then you're just left with the check, and, uh, the check card stuff. Um, so I don't know, Patty, I, you know, it's one of those things where I want to be so careful in the podcast because I certainly don't want small ISOs and MLSs to think, well, as of today, cash discounting is dead. You know, I can't sell that anymore because that's, that's right. not true either. You know what I mean? It's, it's not, it's going to be, no. this is going to play out over a, the course of six months to a year of like figuring this out. And, and I think the acquirers, they may, some of, you know, again, some of the acquirers may come out tomorrow with a notice that says you can't do this anymore. But again, just because somebody says you can't do something, that doesn't make it illegal to do it. It means they don't want you to do it. And so right. um, I think there's going to be some back and forth. There's going to be some, you know, there's going to be some ISOs that are going to go back to their acquirer and say, what do you mean I can't do this? I've made you millions of dollars doing this. You back me up right. and you fight Visa on my behalf because we're doing this program or we're going to somebody else. And so right. there's going to be a lot of jockeying, a lot of negotiating, a lot of deal cutting over the next six months. And, you know, at the end of all of that, 
is there a big enough enemy that's going to fight Visa because they believe in cash discounting? Or, as Jonathan described in the, the, the interview, is it all going to end up in surcharging? I, it's anybody's guess at this point. I really don't know. I, I, I think it is anybody's guess, but uh, and I think I, to sort of use it an, an analogy, I see this as, you know, Visa, you know that Visa's been chomping at the bit, right. you know, watching this going on for a while now. And and I feel like this is their opening salvo, but it's certainly not the last word. No, no. Well, you know, I think it'll be the last word if, if you know, all the acquirers do what they want and, and send out the notices and shut it all down. Um, but, you know, I'll tell you, there's just a, you know, one thing about our industry that you can usually count on is our industry's desire to make lots and lots of money. And, yes. you know, cash discounting is really profitable. <laughs> so, well, and the, and the other thing about our industry is that, you know, there's a lot of really smart entrepreneurial type people in this industry. Right. And, and, they, and you know, one of the reasons that they got into this business is they don't want to be hamstrung by a lot of nonsensical kind of regulations. Right, right. Yeah, and absolutely. And I got, you know, I do think, I think, you know, I do think that a lot of the acquirers are going to acquiesce. Uh, but I, there's always one, there's always one or two out there that go against the grain. Yeah, yeah. And if there's, if there are enough, you know, of them that are large enough to create a stir, I think, you know, Visa is going to be forced to rethink this, or at least, or at least reconfigure the rule. Well, well, yeah, and, and to me, I mean, if they have to, you know, if if Visa has to take legal action here, we're talking. That's a whole different ballgame. I mean, we're talking about. You know, again, because there, it's not like there's a law. There, there's not like a there's no government agency here that's going to come to a merchant and shut them down because they're doing a cash discount. It's not no. right. I mean, unless you're in a state where there's surcharge laws and they're now saying, hey, you can't do that. But if you heard what Jonathan said, I mean, I think some of the work that's been done about surcharging could potentially lapse over into the cash discount because I think, you know, now in Texas. I don't think the attorney general is really looking that hard at a cash discount merchant to shut them down. They're looking at that and saying, oh, that's another form of surcharging, and we now allow that in the state. So, yeah. you know, so I don't think the state's really after it. And so I think if Visa, you know, if somebody really did stand their ground and then Visa came out and, uh, you know, okay, fine, we're going to sue you. Okay, go ahead. That'll be settled in 36 to 48 months or whatever it is, right? And right. in the meantime, everybody's going to sell cash discounting. Exactly. As long as it, you know, especially if they go after it, then... Yeah, if they take legal action, then everybody's going to say, "Hey, they can't do anything." Right. They have to wait. You know, they're going to have to wait until this exactly suit is settled. And it, and and we both know that when things start to take hold in the market, you know, if they if they and, and yep. we've discussed in the past, there's at least ten to fifteen percent of the market where this is occurring now. Things start taking hold. It's really hard to turn back the clock. It is, yeah. You know, one other idea I want to get your opinion on that I talked a little bit about in my blog and, and the video I did recently. Um, so there are several point-of-sale systems that I've been made aware of, three actually, just in the last couple of days I've been made aware of, where um, they have it on where the cash discounting on the receipt is that every single uh, purchase, whether it's cash or credit, doesn't matter, or debit, doesn't matter, every single purchase the service fee is applied as a convenience fee or whatever it is. Nothing to do with the credit card. It's just it's applied on every single one. Right. Then separate from that, there's another line item if the person pays with cash that shows the cash discount. So yes. my personal opinion of that is, and of course, this is all our personal opinions. We're not attorneys. This isn't our legal advice. Right, but 
But you know, my personal opinion is that the bulletin visa put out would not apply in that situation because to me, that has nothing to do with the visa rule. That's a merchant who's adding a convenience fee to every single item in their store and clearly displaying it on the receipt for both for cash, credit, debit. And so to me, maybe there's a state issue of like, maybe we have a law about how you can do a price increase or can you do a service fee or a convenience fee for your customers, but it certainly would have nothing to do with a, a payment network. I mean, I'm sure Visa would disagree with me, but but that's kind of my, my feeling about that. What are your thoughts? I, I agree. I, I, I In fact, that's, that's, that's a model that I think is a very workable model. And, you know, I've just talked with a, with a few people that I know that are in service industries, and I've said that to them. And, you know, they've, they've asked me, what do you think about cash discounting? Is this something I should do? And, you know, my comment to them is, why don't you just add a service fee? Right. And, you know, to all of your products across the board. Right. And then, then, then you know, have that as a line item. And, 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 and the fact that there are uh, terminals out there that can do that now makes it that much easier for them. Right. And, you know, even for a small mom and pop shop, if they're going to save, you know, $1,000 or $2,000 or $3,000 a year, I mean, why wouldn't they just run all their transactions through the terminal? You know, they they already do it anyway on 60, 70% of the time. Take their cash transactions, run that through the little terminal as well, and we can program the terminal to add that service fee to every single, um, you know, every single uh, line item there. Um, right. and, then, uh, and then separately when they run a cash transaction, then it applies to cash discount. So I think as exactly. long as you're as long as you're clearly delineating that, then again, Visa, you know, I want to make it clear. I'm sure, a hundred percent sure, Visa would disagree with this. But sure. um, I don't care. <laughs> um, I disagree right. with them. So I feel like in that case, you could put those those line items on there. And now it, it's it, it's not about the credit card processing anymore. It's it's about your business deciding to add a convenience fee. And and if we don't, if a business doesn't have the right to do that, then they don't have a right to add a delivery fee or you know, anything well, else. Yeah. I mean, it's a business. That you can add a fee. Exact, in fact, I was thinking of that exact example. You know, I had a, I had a, 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 a merchant nearby deliver wood to me the other day. Right. And when I went to him to order the wood, he said, okay, well, that, there'll be a $30 delivery charge. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm like, well, of course. I mean, I don't want to have to <laughs> shut that wood back to my house myself. Right. Well, and you know, that is a that's a convenience. It, it is, and you know, this is the thing that's so interesting about that to me, Patty. The thing is, describing that situation to even the most cynical Visa executive, I would think that they would probably say, "Of course, that's fine. He can add a delivery fee." Okay, well, right. but then if he offered you a cash discount, now it becomes against Visa rules. That doesn't yeah. make any sense. Like, doesn't make any <laughs> sense at all. And in, and in fact, think about the delivery fee, right? I paid for my wood with my Visa card. Right. So technically that it was a surcharge. That was added into that transaction. Right. So that was a and surcharge. And nothing Visa can say about that. Right. Right. So it, to me, there's, there's um, you know, I think it's one of these biases where Visa hates the cash discount program. Um, and so they have concocted this idea of the noncompliance. And, and again, I, I am fully willing to concede the point to Visa that cash discounting is surcharging. You know, I, I, right. I agree. You know. We've said that as much in our, in our in right. podcast. Right. And so I, I agree with that. Um, but I think where, you know, where it diverges is that I believe that a business owner. Now, again, I do think that if a business owner adds a service fee to everything and legitimately adds it on. So in other words, 
the way cash discounting is done in our industry and has been done primarily has been really what it all boils down to. I mean, there's signage, but it, really what it boils down to is if you look at a cash receipt, you don't see a service fee. And if you look at a credit card receipt, you do see a service fee. Right. So if that's what we're looking at, that's surcharging. And I concede that. But I think if you look at a cash receipt and a credit card receipt, and both of them have a service fee, but only the cash receipt has the cash discount, to me, that's not a surcharge. Now now we've moved outside the scope of Visa rules, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's that's really my think, thought. Yeah, no, I think I think it's a, I think you have some legitimate thoughts there, James. I think this is gonna be very, very interesting as it plays out over the next year to eighteen months. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess our our, our message to ISOs and, and MLSs out there is you know, there's some interesting things happening with cash discounting. I don't feel like you need to tuck tail and run at this point. I think you just need to have your uh, have your ears open and your eyes open and what's going on. You know, talk to your ISO, talk to your acquirer. What's their battle plan? And and again, don't don't torch them if they don't have their you know 12 month plan laid out in the next three days, right? Like, right. You know, they take they may and, need to and, they got to figure out what's going and, on. And don't and and don't like immediately shut the door on cash discounting. Uh, make sure everything's above board. I mean, I think the thing that really matters and what this goes, what the whole cash discounting um, goes to the heart of is it's all about transparency. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think it will be really interesting, uh, like you said, to see how it plays out. And again, I mean, to me, you know, your worst case scenario, if you're in one of the 43 states now where you're allowed to surcharge, I mean, really your worst case scenario here is you got to convert them from cash discount to surcharge. And so at some point in the next year, you're going to have to say, I know I told you I could save you 95%. It turns out I can only save you 60%. Well, you're still saving them 60%. I mean, I don't feel like you're, you're going to feel like you just screwed them over by, you know, selling them on cash discounting where they were able to save 95% for 12 months and then only 60%. So, you know, where, where I disagree is I think a lot of people are jumping the gun a little bit and saying, Oh my goodness, you know, don't sell cash discounting anymore because you're screwing the merchant. Well, no, not really. I mean, you're, you know, the, the odds are you're still going to get them on the surcharging. Um, I think I would probably, and even really in New York where it's already as, as Jonathan said, I mean, it already is to a point where probably they're going to be able to do surcharging in some form or fashion there. So, I mean, you know, if you're in one of the smaller states that bans it, that's a little bit more of a decision because there's more of a timeline there. But, you know, right. I, I think the bottom line is I don't think you're screwing merchants by selling them a cash discount today because we just don't know what's going to happen yet. And, 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 and perhaps to, uh, you know, to, to, to cover yourself uh, as, a, as a person out there on the street, what you can do is say, hey, this is what I'm selling you today, cash discounting. Um, the rules might change. So... So take advantage of it while you can. Right. Take, take, you know, as they say, make hay while the sun is out. (laughs) And, and, but also, you know, um, just have a contingency plan in place for if if you do need to switch, switch them to surcharging and make them aware of the fact that this is a possibility. Sure. Yeah. Good stuff. Awesome. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, Patty. We'll obviously we'll be keeping everybody updated in our podcast, right? Uh, Yes, we will. All right. Thanks everybody. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by InstantQuoteTool.com. With over 30 training courses covering everything from sales objections to statement analysis, ISOs are using our learning management system to help new agents understand the industry and how to sell merchant services. Industry veterans love our courses because we dive deeper into concepts such as interchange and explore new industry trends like cash discounting, NFC, and the resurgence of American Express with the Optimum program. 
Put all of these training courses together with the leading proposal creation tool for merchant services agents in the field, and we believe our branded ISO solution and individual user package is a must-have. Visit instantquotetool.com today or email support at instantquotetool.com to learn more. Well, this is questions from the field. I had a great question actually today from an agent who asked me, you know, he's a little bit newer to the industry and he said, James, I went into a business, they had a touchscreen point of sale system, you know, full feature point of sale system. How can I sell them credit card processing? And you know, Patty, it's it's actually pretty daunting as a new agent, especially to walk in and see that big system on the counter, you know? Oh, I bet. Sure. So they, you know, they're like, what do I do? How do I sell it? So I thought I would just give you kind of the, the, the process and then talk about it a little bit. So the first thing that you need to understand about selling point of sale systems is that actually making the switch from their current provider to your provider, not as complicated as you would think. It's actually all done usually behind the scenes. Um, and really all you're doing is connecting your IT department with their IT department. There's actually not, they're, they're literally changing numbers in a file and hitting save. I mean, there's not like a ton of uh, work there. The, the real barrier is just at the point of sale software companies. Well, really two barriers. One is a lot of times the point of sale software companies are actually making money off of the credit card processing and they won't let you switch. Right. So, you know, that's, that's really the biggest barrier is like, you know, they're like, no, you, you can't switch um, because we make a hundred dollars a month off of you or whatever. And so they really locked down the account where they just won't allow you to integrate with anything else. Um, the other barrier is, is the legitimate technological barrier of does their system integrate with your front end solution? And so th this is where Patty, I think as a, even as a, as a agent, you know, or an ISO, you really want to make sure you do have a suite of different front end solutions that you can, even though, you know, you're going to have that primary one, you do want to have some secondary options that you can offer, right? Yes, of course. I mean, you know, you don't go just can't go in with one with with one solution right you got to have you know i mean i feel like you know if you've got you know the different first some of the first data front ends and you've got maybe vantive and tesis uh maybe you've got evo you know whatever you know you want to have a few because because you want to you know again so because each of these point of sale companies when they built their software most likely they partnered with one of those companies and integrated with that platform um but, you know, there's other ways to get around that. There's more than one way to skin that cat. You know, there's a lot of things you can do with uh, different gateways that maybe will work. So usually there's a technological way around it, usually. Um, the biggest right. barrier I found, though, is more of the profiteering on the part of the point-of-sale company. So I would say use that to your advantage. And when you go in, talk to them and say, look, you know, most people who have a point-of-sale company where the point-of-sale company does the processing, usually those rates are really, really high because – they, you know, they feel like they have you as a captive and you're going to pay whatever they want you to pay. So a lot of merchants feel like, wow, I got such a good deal on my point of sale system. Well, yeah, but you're actually paying $200 a month in markup to get it. So use that in your pitch. Um, and the second thing I would say is, you know, let's talk about that sales process, right? So if you get somebody, what do you do? Do the same thing you always do. Separate the two things first. You know, hey, credit card processing is not point of sale. They're different. We can change the file and, and hopefully work with you. But this is what I always tell the merchant. I say, look, before we get into the whole conversation about integration, let's stop for a second because I don't even know if it's going to be worth it for you or for me to invest that time. Let's first figure out if it's going to be worth it. What are you currently paying? What's your volume? Use, uh, you know, use a tool, some way, get a, get a quote to them first where there's some, uh, you know, savings analysis. Hey, here's what I can save you because once you show them what you can save, which usually is significant, you could save them 2000 $3,000 a year. It's, there's a significant savings. 
So once that happens, um, all of a sudden they're a little bit more motivated now to work with their, their point of sale software vendor to make this happen. Um, then the information you need to get, to get is really simple. All you need is the name of the software and usually the version, which you can find if you look at their terminal and click on either help or about, you'll normally see something about this is XYZ software version 3.8.2 or whatever. So get that. Then the other thing is ask the merchant this question. If your terminal, if your point of sale system stopped working right now, who would you call? Get that name and that number. Take that information and go back to your ISO, your processor, and say, hey, here's the situation. I've got this merchant. I can save them money. They want to move forward. Can we integrate with them? And usually your ISO or processor will be able to help you connect the dots. They may even reach out on your behalf or at least help you with that conversation to find yeah. out is there a front end that, that's going to integrate. Because it's as much to their to- you know, it's as much to their advantage as it is to Absolutely. The well, and the good yeah. thing, of course, Patty, if, as we've talked about many times, I mean, if you do pull that off and you do the switch, you just got yourself a loyal customer that's going to be with you for a long time. Long time. Yeah, yes. they don't they don't like switching their point of sale software stuff very very uh, frequently. <laughs> and, and 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 if you can make a case for them to switch it to you because you're giving them better service and a lower price. Right. Exactly. Yep. So. You're golden. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, get out there, and next time you see that point of that touchscreen point of sale, don't run out the door. Um, keep in mind right. that everybody else has run out the door. So this is somebody that probably hasn't had a bid in a little while. So maybe go up there and and uh, you know display your confidence and uh, give them a bid and see if you can move forward. And again, I would say there's uh, in my experience, Patty, in the field. In my experience, about thirty to forty percent of the time, you can't move forward. I mean, there's literally a you know, impenetrable barrier, whether it be techno- technological or just operational, that they won't allow the the integration. Um, and so, you know, be aware. I mean, it, it's it may not work out, but there's, you know, that means there's a 60%, 70% chance it will work out. And so definitely worth having the conversation. And those are great odds, James. I mean, yeah. think about it. If, if, if the lottery was that great, uh, they would be <laughs> a million-dollar jackpots right, right now. Right, exactly, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so... Awesome. Well, thanks, everybody, so much. Appreciate your time and listen to questions from the field and listen to our podcast today. And uh, send us more questions. We, we enjoy answering. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production from greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. We hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.